Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open them to the book of Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter number 17. Exodus chapter 17. Nathan Hansford. You ever heard of him, Nathan Hansford? On January the 31st of this year, Nathan Hansford, who is a financial consultant, got up, got ready for work, and he left out to go to work. He lives in Bangkok, Thailand. But he didn't come home. That evening, and he didn't come home the next evening, nor the next, nor the next. He didn't come home after a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five, six weeks. In fact, after he had been missing uh, over a month, the police department in that part of Thailand decided to conduct an investigation, find out where he is, where he was. And on Sunday, March the 9th, that'd be last Sunday, they found him. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know where he'd been. He didn't know where he was. He had forgotten everything. Come to find out, when he left work that morning, back on January the 31st, he was in an automobile accident. Must have gotten some knock on the noggin in that automobile accident. And as a result, he lost his memory. He uh, came down with a, a severe case of amnesia. And so from January the 31st until March the 9th, last Sunday, he had no clue where he was, no clue who he was, no clue what his past was. Nathan Hansford. Forgetting. Forgetting can be detrimental. If you and I forget who we are, where we've been, Where we are from, we can easily lose track of where we need to be, as was the case with Nathan Hansford. But get this, forgetting, not forgetting like in the case of Nathan, but forgetting can be beneficial. And that is what the Israelites in Exodus chapter 17 needed to remember because they were obsessed with their past. Exodus chapter 17, beginning with verse 1, the Israelites have come out of Egypt through the Red Sea. They're out in the uh, Arabian desert, the wilderness, and they're thirsty. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses. They said, give us water to drink. 
Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? And Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there beside you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? The title of the message is The Problem with Dwelling on the Past. There are a lot of ways in which we dwell on the past. There are a variety of experiences in our past that we sometimes are guilty of dwelling on. We can dwell on a past that we remember to have been good. You know, it's cliche-ish for me to stand up here and say, you know, have you ever heard anybody say, oh, for the good old days, boy, those good old days. Sometimes we hear our, our folks talk about the good old days. My dad, whenever I was little, uh, I was, as you know, I was raised on a chicken farm. And in addition to raising 20,000 chickens at a time for seven and a half weeks at a time, uh, we also had, uh, dad had about a, an acre and a half garden that we worked in during the summer. And he had a, a fruit orchard, a small one. And there are a number of things that he did. But my dad's the type, he is constantly working. And when he was growing up, his dad made him get up before sunup and work doing something, milking cows or something, before he got ready to go to school. Then he'd go to school, and, then, and when he came back home after school, uh, he'd have to go back out in the field. His dad would make him go back out in the field and work until uh, supper time. And they would come in and, and eat supper and then go back out, and he said they'd work until dark 30, which I uh, found out to mean 30 minutes after dark. And he said they'd do that every single day, and he said, my dad, Papa Orr, which he was a very strict person, he said he wouldn't put up with any excuses for not getting up and working. He said, during the winter, my dad's telling me this now, my dad's telling me this, he says, during the winter, I can remember times in January or, or February when, when we would have a snow or an ice storm, and he said, I can remember from my bedroom, there were, there were cracks in the, uh, in the door planks on the wall, and, and snow sometimes would blow in in between those cracks. Now, I'm sitting there listening to my dad say this, right? And I'm thinking, Dad, you tell me the truth. And he swore he was telling us the truth. He swore. I said, how did you stand that? I said, how did you stay warm? And he said, well, he said, uh, your granny Orr would come in and she would layer these handmade quilts over us. They were about this thick on top of our bed. And he said, we couldn't move, but we were really, really warm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, hmm. You know, I'm kind of glad things are not that way anymore. And then in another conversation a little bit later, I would hear my dad talk about those good old days. And I'm thinking, good old days. 
Uh, the, the good old days that you've been describing to me, Dad, have not been that good. And I think what he was talking about is how simple life was way back when. But I will tell you right now, uh, you're not going to convince me that those good old days were so good. But sometimes we can, be, we can dwell on a past that we remember as being good, even though, if given the chance, we wouldn't go back to those days for anything. We can also dwell on a past that was definitely good. Not just do we remember it good, but it was good. Some past success or past triumph that we just, we just uh, gloat on for some time. And then there are those times when we dwell on a past that's filled with mistakes we made or failures we committed, and we just can't seem to rid ourselves of the feeling of guilt and shame and, and failure for having made those mistakes. And, and if we're not careful, we can let those hinder us. Warren Wearsby, Christian writer and, and also a pastor, he said this. He says, do not say, why were the old days, the former days, better than these? You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror, he says. The past is a rudder to guide you, not an anchor to drag you. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. I heard uh, a story about hummingbirds and vultures. And the, the, the blip that I read about them said both the hummingbird and the vulture fly over the desert. All the vulture, vultures see is rotting meat because that is what they are looking for, rotting meat. They thrive on that diet. But hummingbirds ignore the smelly flesh of dead animals. Instead, they look for the colorful blossoms of the occasional desert plant. The vultures live on what was... They live on the past. They feel themselves as what is dead and gone. But hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life and they fill themselves with freshness and life. The point is, the writer says, each bird finds what he is looking for. And so do we. We find what we are looking for. I love this passage and passages like this in Exodus because uh, I, I see so much of us as a church, not just this local church at Palmetto, but, but the church, especially in the southeastern United States, I see so much of us in these people, these Israelites in the wilderness, loving the past that really wasn't the past that they in their minds are loving. And this passage of scripture teaches us some very important truths about the past. First of all, I want you to note that, that this shows us that dwelling on the past paints a skewed picture of the past. There are times when looking back at our past, we remember it, kind of like my dad, uh, thinking back to the days when he was a child, we remember it as being better than it really was in many ways. In the desert, the Israelites, once they got thirsty and once they got hungry and once things got a little bit tough, they conveniently forgot how bad they had it in Egypt in Egypt, they were slaves performing hard labor, getting up before sun, sun up and working straight through the day until dark 30 or dark 45. In Exodus chapter 16, the chapter right before the one that's the focus of our text, finds the people of Israel in uh, 
uh, the desert and they're hungry and they complained to Moses. They said, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, they said. For you brought us out in this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You know what a flesh pot it was? You know what that is? That's a barbecue grill. That's what a flesh pot was. And they're sitting in the desert. And they're thinking back to their time in Egypt where they were slaves working all day long, all sun up, all daylight, working hard labor for nothing, getting whipped if they, if they uh, even stopped sometimes to even take a breather or get a drink of water. And they say to Moses, boy, if we'd only died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the barbecue grills. <laughs> you know what they forgot? Yeah, they were by the barbecue grills and they were cooking some really good smelling stuff, but they didn't get to eat it. They were cooking it for the Egyptians. I mean, it'd be like being a, 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 a head chef somewhere. It'd be like uh, Brother Paul cooking for us on Wednesday nights and he would cook for us and we'd come by and we'd eat it and we'd never say thank you for it. And, and then he'd have to turn around and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with peanut butter that's been old and been in the food pantry for three and a half years. But here they are in the desert, and they think back to their time in Egypt, and they get a skewed picture of that past. Dwelling on the past does that to us. It can, it can cause us to paint a skewed, corrupted, twisted picture of our past. Second, dwelling on the past causes us to forget God's provision in the present. Think about all they went through in the past. Yes, they were slaves. They were in Egypt 430 years. The last... A uh, quarter of that time, my estimate, they were, in, uh, they were slaves in Egypt. I mean, having a terrible time. Egypt first, the Egyptian pharaoh tried to kill off some of them, kill off some of their infant boys to, to bear down on the population. Finally, when that didn't work, he just decided to put them all into slavery. Here they are. God has rescued them. He's let them see 10 miraculous plagues. They're in the desert, but in the desert, because they're so infatuated with that good past, that good past they had, they have forgotten that God, this God who who rescued them from Egypt, is the God who will provide for them in the desert. I have noticed in my own life, and I have observed in the life of some of us, That when we go through the desert experiences of our lives, we tend often to forget that the God who allowed us to go into the desert is also the God who will provide for us in the desert. Number three, dwelling on the past hinders us from accomplishing the future God has in store for us. If I am focused on the past then I'm not focused on the future. If I'm driving down the road and all I ever do while driving down the road is look in the rearview mirror, focused on what is behind me, then I, there's no way that I can accurately navigate toward where I need to go ahead of me. And the same thing is with our relationship with God. If we're so focused on the past, either loving it, regretting it, uh, 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 having a twisted memory of it, it it keeps us from being able to look forward to where God wants us to go. One man said to his friend, he said, you know, say, you you look depressed. What are you thinking about? And the man says, my future. 
He says, well, what makes it look so hopeless? He said, my past. Back in the 1940s, there was a toy that was popular. One of the most popular toys in the 1940s was called the Flugie Bird. Anybody remember? Anybody who lived back during the 40s remember the Flugie Bird? Anybody? I see one person who's honest enough to tell me they remembered the Flugie Bird. The rest of you have forgotten, haven't you? You've forgotten that past, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. The Flugie Bird. It was made popular by President Harry S. Truman. He said that his critics who were against any progressive move that, move that he recommended, his critics wanted to live in the past. He says, you all are just a bunch of flugy birds, he said. If you were to go and buy a flugy bird, there was a, uh, a label that hung around its neck, and it said this, quote, I fly backwards, I don't care where I'm going, I just want to see where I've been. Beth Moore said, whatever God has for you, it's not behind you. Now, you don't hear me quoting Beth Moore much, but I'm going to tell you that's worth quoting right there. Whatever God has for you, it's not behind you. An old adage said the pioneers are the guys with the arrows in their backs. They're headed forward. Jesus spoke plainly about the danger of looking back. He said this in Luke chapter 9. He says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a, that's a strong statement right there. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. He says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Shortly after the end of the Civil War, Robert E. Lee was back in Virginia. And he was uh, invited to come by the house of a lady in the community where he was living. The lady took him to the remains of a huge old tree in front of her house and she she bitterly cried that its limbs and its trunk had been destroyed by federal artillery fire during the Civil War, during one of the battles there in Virginia. And she looked for Robert E. Lee to offer her a consoling word of condemnation for the northern armies messing up her tree. And so she stopped and waited for that word of consolation from Robert E. Lee. And after a moment of silence, he said this. He said, cut it down, my dear madam, and forget it. We need to check our rearview mirrors occasionally. But if we look into them too much, we will have an accident. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13, he said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and looking ahead to what is ahead. I strive for the prize of the high calling of Christ. There's a proper way to look at the past, and that is to remember it enough to learn from it. But if we dwell on it, if we dwell on it, we will run into something.
that we don't mean to run into. So I'll leave you with this question. In your life, in your family's life, and in the life of this church, where is your focus? Are you dwelling in the past? Are you headed for the future? That's a good question, and we need to think about it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to think back on the past and learn from it, but help us not to dwell on the past, be obsessed with the past, whether it's a a past that we think now was good and it wasn't, or if it was a past that really was good and we want to relish in it, or if it's a past that was full of mistakes and we just swim in the regret of it. Lord, help us to look ahead to the future. Lord, as we enter this time of invitation, I pray for those who are here who possibly have never invited you to be their Savior. Lord, they need to look to the future. They need to look to their eternal future. Lord, I pray for those of us who have been saved, but we too, so often, too often, are guilty of all those good old days. God, help us to remember the past correctly, but to shoot for the future. Because that's where you are. I pray you'd help us to do that in Jesus' name.